So um, <clears throat> this morning, I'd like to continue um, offering some instruction on this balance between the, the samatha, the gathering meditation, focusing, calming, steadying, skill with working with attention to in order to cultivate the base of well-being, the base of samadhi, in balance with this more reflective, contemplative, vipassana or insight or inquiry meditation, the two balancing and supporting each other, moments of calming and gathering, being more fully here, and yet using that calm and gatheredness to reflect on our experience in order to free the mind from suffering and stress, unnecessary stress. I mean, there will be some stress in life, but the suffering that's created through our not really understanding more deeply the nature of our experience, in particular the nature, for example, of of its impermanence, and also to look more deeply to free to free us from being stuck to suffering when we don't really need to be, just through sheer habit sometimes, because we know, because the mind knows where to keep going there, to patterns that are unhealthy and destructive for us. So this training, this training of mindfulness to help remove and overcome suffering, to help see more clearly the nature, the actual reality and nature of our experience, and to help gather and deepen our capacity for presence and awareness. Ajahn Chah used to say that this practice that we do in the ordinary moments of our life is is like preparation. It's practice to be more fully here, but it's also preparation for when we do experience a lot of difficulty or the passions come and we get completely overwhelmed or a very difficult circumstances arises in our life and we can get completely triggered and lost and then find ourselves creating a lot of suffering or being lost in a lot of difficulty and suffering. So although it might not look like very much just these moments of being here, moments of steadying as we're actually building the strength and the capacity to work more skillfully with the inevitable vicissitudes of life. So when they do come, we can meet them more fully and we can work with them more consciously and hopefully we can overcome them more, more um, successfully than to be spend unnecessary lengths of time caught in realms of, of, of fear and lostness and suffering. But this, this is, in a way, dependent on our ability to little by little gather this strength and to, and to develop these skills that we've been exploring and cultivating over these last few days. In terms of developing this first, very, very important, it's called Vitaka, this first jhana factor, of learning to guide attention by the use of skillful thoughts, skillful contemplation. This is such a primary skill that a whole sutta is devoted to it, a whole teaching is devoted to it, called the Vitaka Santana Sutta. 
which literally means to develop skill in the mental realms or to develop skill with the mental energy and particularly in regards to the unwholesome mental energies, mental states that give cause and rise to this experience of of suffering or, or can lead the mind into danger and can lead us into danger when we get really washed away by, by a very strong desire or reaction or habit. And this, this supports this whole third foundation of mindfulness where we start to really contemplate mind itself. The first foundation we were contemplating body, breath within the body. It's not that each is a separate category. Once we contemplate body, all the others are there. Feeling is there, mind is there. When we contemplate mind, phenomena is there, feeling is there, body and breath is there. It's just ways of designating certain territories so we can focus a little more clearly on them. It's like saying hand. There's one hand in reality, but there's these these different fingers. It's all one, but we could, we could look at one finger in particular for the sake of getting to know that the territory of that experience of that finger. <laughs> in the same way, these four foundations, are, they're all talking about one mind, one mind and body. But just looking a little bit into these different, slightly more distinct territories, the mental energy, although connected with feeling and with body, is a little bit different in its quality and in its activity. So this vitaka santana, the training of attention to help guide the mind away from patterns that are difficult or are suffering for us or if suffering arises, to be able to more skillfully negotiate it so we can overcome it expediently. And we've actually been doing this training these last few days. The first factor and the first step is to learn to take them when when we find ourselves dwelling in areas of you know, whether it's storylines or feelings or emotions or memories that are connected with a lot of suffering or they're connected with what's called akusa, then it's not that wholesome. Or connected with states of mind that pull us down in certain ways and sabotage us. You know, it's one thing to contemplate those territories if we have a real strength of samadhi because we can really start to, to see them and, and explore them. But sometimes we just, get, we just get overwhelmed. So if that starts to happen, this first training, as we've been doing, is to just use the thought to remove the attention. It's not a repression, it's not a denial. It's to say, yes, I know this is there. <laughs> there is this difficulty here. But for now... You're making the choice with mindfulness. If we don't have any mindfulness, we don't really have much choice. We just get pulled by the habits. The more mindfulness, the more discernment. Say, yes, I know this is there, but I'm choosing to put my attention to something wholesome. So this first move, taking the attention 
to the wholesome. And in this regard, we've been using the breath, the meditation object. One can expand that whole principle. There's something very difficult is learning to take ourselves to an activity or contact with something or someone that promotes the strength and wholesomeness and goodness until we can actually go back and meet that difficulty again, but more resourced, more empowered, more in our center, more in our unshakability. But, but on this retreat, we're just learning it more interior, in an interior way, in a more immediate way, just learning to say, not now, coming back, say, to the breath and the body, sensation the soles of the feet, Further, the Buddha suggests if we find ourselves still drawn into these patterns that are, that are undermining of us, you know, some old memory comes up and we start feeling inflamed and upset and angry about someone. And we've been down that path so many times <laughs> and we know where it leads. It leads to us just feeling really, really bad, you know, just feeling horrible and upset and angry. So we know it. So the Buddha said it's a bit like knowing knowing the danger in engaging some thought patterns and some, it's called the activity of the mind, when it goes in a certain direction. He said it's a bit like imagining if you had a carcass around your, a stinking carcass around your neck. These very vivid images. Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to walk around with a stinking carcass? You know, a beautiful, is it a beautiful person puts this? And it's a bit like that when the mind just constantly goes to those places. You know, just gnaws away. It's a bit like we go to the cesspit. <laughs> and there's some real pull to that sometimes, but it's not conducive. <coughs> So it's just like going, I know the danger, I know where this will go, whether it's a, a thinking pattern, whether it's an activity, and it doesn't, it's not wholesome. And then sometimes it's just like going, no, just turning away. Sometimes that means, you know, that we can't, in this circumstance, create a whole positive reality, but sometimes it means maybe just opening our eyes, standing up, taking some deep, deeper breaths, just to break the, the pull, just to at least pause the pull, and then to re-establish. So this is a training. We can train ourselves to do this. Coupled with that is the encouragement. So yes, one can sometimes feel these areas of difficulty we don't have enough strength to deal with them. And so the Buddha said it's a bit like if you're walking and you just... Let's make sure I've got this analogy correct. You, it's like you're not really... It's there, but you don't really look at it. You're not, you don't put a lot of attention there. So you're seeing, you're walking and you're seeing, you know, but you're not really focusing on the particular. So sometimes something arises and you say, oh no, here we are are again (laughs) in this story, in this difficulty. And 
it's like, yes, it's there, but you don't have to every time go there. You don't have to be pulled there. You don't have to always pick up the phone every time it rings or read the email. If you haven't, if you're feeling a bit, you know, low in energy or you haven't got much capacity. When I, at one point, when I was going through quite a lot of stress when I was working in South Africa, I just refused. At four o'clock, I would just switch off all IT everything, because I knew in the evenings my capacity would get a bit lower. In the morning, I could deal with the difficult stuff. In the evenings, like, and then I go to sleep, and it worries. It's that kind of thing. It's there, but I I can choose not to have to be pulled. So the Buddha said, not putting more energy, not putting more attention into it, not keep fueling it with your attention. And actually sometimes, some things you just leave. You can't deal with, you can't sort out, you can't fix. You just leave. They're there. You don't have to create more aversion to push them away. You just leave. It's just sitting there. And and you leave it to time. And, and awareness, but it's not you're not fueling it, adding more energy, more karma, and therefore more suffering. And then even more, you know, this 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 next step begins to to begin. It's called relaxing the sankara. Sankara means formation; these mental formations. You know, some of them are very positive, but some of them are profoundly connected with very profound, difficult energetics within our systems, feelings of fear or hopelessness or lostness. And when, when the mind, you know, when, when we feel the mind is touched by those patterns, then we can reflect what is really the nature of this experience? If we have some samadhi and some gatheredness, we can reflect, what is the nature of this experience? Where is the feeling tone within it, as we've been exploring? Or in the vipassana, can we label it, rather than say, oh, I'm so upset. There's the feeling of being ups- of the feeling of upset, there's the feeling of anger, or there's the feeling of dread. So it puts it a little bit outside rather than being flooded, the mind being completely flooded. And then so the naming can help to give that distance and then we can inquire even further into the actual solidity of the state of mind. You know, or if it's if it's connected with with strong feeling, one can go to the feeling and just know as the training, working with feeling, being with what's called the feeling in the feeling, rather than feeling a strong impression that affects the energy body, affects the mind, and then getting spun out into the story, and on and on it goes for hours. One goes to the feeling and feels the feeling. It's unpleasant. <laughs> It's burning. It's it's you know, but but there's a there's a certain power in just that which can know the feeling isn't overwhelmed by the feeling, isn't suffering. It's pure, attentive, mindful awareness that's just discerning, dukkha, meaning unsatisfactoriness, suffering. 
And it's just simply just knowing that. That's very, very powerful because it helps that to just move through, begin to dissolve, and eventually we start to, we will see that it's vibrating and changing and as it's said in the Muda Sutta, Vimuti Sarasabe Dhamma, which means that the essence of all sankhara, all compounded experiences, Vimuti, there is freedom, there is space. Everything actually in its essence is already free, is already spacious. We just don't see that because of our reactivity. But if we look with that inquiry at something that's oscillating as what we might experience as some form of suffering, if we keep looking, it will reveal its spacious nature. It will reveal its changeable nature. And that begins, when that happens, we begin to taste a little bit of freedom from being bound so strongly to those patterns of the mind, the walls of the mind. We said in the Heart Sutra, living without walls of the mind. This is the activity of the Bodhisattva. The jitta, so we say the mind is talking about the jitta, the heart, mind, heart, is bound and constricted by these sankharas, by these patterns that we keep fueling through our reactivity, through not understanding and seeing clearly their nature. So this, this, you know, this is a challenging practice, but it's doable. And it's really, really, my goodness, if I can do this practice just about, then anyone can do this. You know, it's doable. We can work with whatever crazy stuff that we have to work with. You know, however difficult it can seem. Little by little, there can be this development of strength of mindfulness. This can be this capacity to know there's an ability to contemplate our experience rather than be swept away by it and caught up with a lot of suffering. But it does mean that just moment by moment we apply these skills of being present, of being with the breath, of being willing to contemplate that which disturbs us, but with this activity of discernment and inquiry. Going more directly, very powerful in the in the sutra called the Dart Sutra, the Buddha talks about experiencing being touched. The mind, body can be touched by an unpleasant ex- feeling. You know, an email comes with some difficult information, and we feel it in the body and in the mind. There's aversion or conflict. And then we become averse to the feeling that we have. And the Buddha said, it's a bit like you received a dart. You know, you feel, oh, that's painful. And then you push another dart into the same place through the reaction. You know, the the increased aversion to the original pain increases the suffering. But instead, in this training, one goes, ah, unpleasant feeling. (laughs) Yes, and and right there breaks that pattern. And so, just let me contemplate this. 
take the time and allow this this awareness start to work with that unpleasant feeling and in the process understanding will arise a response maybe from a clearer, wiser place rather than the reaction or pleasant feeling comes we experience a lovely taste when we eat something and then the mind goes more and more and more until the lovely taste turns into being bloated (laughs) feeling like, oh I ate too much we all know that, we've all been there so the Buddha says it's like another kind of dart, the dart of pleasant feeling. It's lovely to experience pleasant feeling, but then we add the grasping and the greed, and we create more, ironically, in what was pleasant, we start to generate, turn it into the opposite experience. So to be able to catch, as Ajahn Chah said, like that net, catching what touches this very, the jitta, mind-heart, It's extraordinarily sensitive, actually. And it feels, it's nature's sensitivity, feels. And so it will, there is a tendency to defend and to protect. But that can happen from from wisdom, not just from blind reaction. There can be a, a different place to move from once we begin to get a handle on our reactivity. So as Ajahn Chah said, it's a bit like having a fine web that catches what touches the mind. And then before letting it in, being able to contemplate, feeling, perception, is it permanent or impermanent? What is the tone? What is the flavor? Where is it in the body? This is the activity of inquiring. What is it? It's fear, it's upset, it's challenge. Can I withdraw? It's too much at the moment. Can I withdraw the mind from its habitual reactivity and re-establishing the breath and the simplicity of now before returning to that? These are the, the skill of having that agility of how we place attention. The vijara, the receptivity, gets information about the experience and then adjusts. Do we just jump in? Do we stop? Do we regather? So in this way, being in the third foundation of mindfulness, we begin to become familiar with the mind, the jitta, as it's affected by the the sensory experience, the experience of the psychodynamic material of our own and others. And Buddha said, it's just, in a certain way, it becomes quite simple. Is the mind affected? Is it shaped? Is it coloured? by primary energies, like for example, is it coloured by lust and greed? Seeking, I mean that's the more coarse energy, but this longing and seeking. And we can just know that, the mind is coloured by this energy, we can reflect on that. Is it coloured by aversion and hatred or resistance? We can reflect on that. Is it coloured by delusion and doubt and dullness and ignorance? Just don't know. Get confused. And we can know that. Often in that state we try and think 
think ourselves to clarity. We just know, yes, that's all that's here. All that's required in this foundation is just to keep knowing the state rather than being the state. Knowing it's just like this. The mind is colored by this experience. Is it distracted? Is the mind distracted? Is it contracted? These are the territories that we're encouraging the third foundation to explore. Or conversely, is the mind the more transcendent qualities? Do we experience the mind as expansive? The jitta, is is it expansive? When we start to feel the natural state of the jitta, when it's not colored by these sankharas and patterns and the the karma and sankara of the momentum of these patternings, which are so powerful and shape the sense of who I am so strongly, when we start to, as there's this gathering and samadhi, we'll have moments of really tasting the jitta in its natural state. Which the Buddha said, the natural state of the of the jitta is papasura. It has a luminosity. It has an unshakability. It's it has this knowingness. It's, it knows. Do we, when we when we experience, when we know, when we feel that jitta, when we taste that jitta, we'll experience it as exalted, as expansive, as limitless. As you know, maybe liberated, not touched by suffering. And this isn't these aren't experiences that we have to somehow climb a mountaintop to get there here it's here and now this is the natural state of the mind and we all experience it but often we just don't notice it because we're so busy experiencing the stuff as i was saying last night ajahn take learning to distinguish between the activity and the presence of the mind so in the vipassana, in the inquiry, we can notice both. We can notice the activity and all its flavors and all its manifestations and all different shapes and sizes, feeling tones, mental constructs. We can contemplate that, but we can also contemplate and know the awareness itself of the jitta, which we, we taste as spacious, as vimuti, already free, as peaceful, as stable, as here. This is the natural state of the citta, as knowing. As focused in samadhi, gathered, infusing the body with its light, with its awareness. So in this way, in the training of the foundations of mindfulness, the Buddha says that dwelling in this mindfulness, dwelling with this discernment, one can know our experience here and now and and train in a way where we are independent 
independent, not clinging to anything in the world. This is an inner, we're obviously interdependent on all sorts of things, but this isn't the, the jitta in its true nature has this inner independence, meaning it's not dependent on the circumstances for its liberation. Its nature already is liberated. It's independent, not clinging, not reactive to anything in the world. I mean, that is, that is quite a fruition of this practice. And little by little, as Ajahn Chah said, little by little with this practice, little by little this fruition will come about, most definitely. And then we will, we will be more prepared for whatever we need to meet. The beautiful and the difficult, the 10,000 joys and the 10,000 sorrows. Rooted in the primary, primordial equanimity and presence of the heart. So please to come into your sitting posture. It's the last short while of our session. And again, just taking a few moments to establish the posture. Noticing what's happening now, what you're present with here and now. And as you do so, maybe taking a few deepening breaths to help steady, to help arrive more fully into being here within the body, within the breath. Establishing this inner presence of awareness that is reflective, that can reflect, can hear the sounds. That can know the sensations and the feelings within the body. can recognize the quality of the jitta, the heart-mind, resting in this presence, in this awareness, this 
stabilizing and deepening this awareness through steadying the attention with the breath. And just simply allowing ourselves to reflect and be present for the phenomena of our experience here and now. Noticing how everything is in this state of flux, sounds, the breath, feeling tones, sensations, the flickering of thoughts. In the midst, at the heart of every phenomena, every experience, every mind state, every feeling tone, every sound, every thought, there is already this spaciousness. This luminosity, this presence. We find ourselves getting lost or distracted, remembering that at any moment we can return to the breath. How is it now? Breathing in, breathing out, steadying, calming, experiencing the whole body, calming the whole body. (laughs) 